morning, Nancy. My name is Gracie. And I'm Abby. And today we're going to be talking about Rocker Rob Zombie's first film. And it's called House of a Thousand Corpses. The film stars Sid Haig, Bill Mosley, Sherry Moon, now she's Sherry Moon Zombie, and Karen Black. It also stars Dennis Fimple in his last role. Oh, Dennis. So Rob Zombie was known for being the front man of the band White Zombie for many years. So good. He eventually moved on to do a solo career very soon after that. So at the time that this film was being produced and coming out, he was really only known for his music and I think maybe some of his art. The film was greenlit in 1999 after Zombie was asked to help create the theme park haunted houses for Universal Studios Horror Nights in October. I mean, that's who you would want to ask if you were making something like that for a theme park. <laughs> so Yeah, that's what I mean when I when I first read that I was like, "Oh, yeah, I would totally go to a Rob Zombie haunted house." That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Might not make it out alive, but you know. Oh my god, I hope so. Initially, one of his ideas was the basic concept around House of a Thousand Corpses. He pitched the idea to Universal and apparently made the whole plot up on the spot. Wow. Yeah. I can see how that would happen, though, because if you have an idea for, like, a haunted house that's just a, uh, an attraction, yeah, and you're like, this could, this could be a good film. I wonder if I should pitch this. And you get into the producer's office and they're like, uh um it's what's happening it's about a haunted house uh there's a family and um they kill teenagers per- yes perfect go it's like, but but there's also an underground layer and there's like this crazy doctor and there's a bunch of other stuff that happens so i'm yeah that's why i'm wondering like yeah, how did that like, pitch sound yeah like, <laughs> there's monsters and zombies and like and i'm rob zombie people getting their faces ripped off <laughs> And they were like, yes, they were, they were totally <laughs> yes, about that. Universal loved the idea. Whatever that pitch was, they loved it. And they were like, yes, don't make that into a haunted house. Make it into a film. Here's all of our money. Go. <laughs> Two months later, he started filming it. Wild. Wild is right. A lot of the movie was filmed on the back lot at Universal Studios near the Jaws ride. Which, nice. Yep. And right. apparently there were a lot of scenes where they were at the house Which, okay, I should have said this at the beginning. There might be some swearing in this episode, and it's not because we want to. It's because a lot of quotes uh, and a lot of different aspects of this film involve some swear words. So if you're at work, uh, this is a not that safe for work episode. Put your headphones in. Put your headphones in. Um, If you're in the car with your kids, you don't want your kids to hear swear words, you know, listen to this episode at a later date. Yeah. Just so you guys know ahead of time. Before I'm cuz I'm about to say I a mean, swear word. It's House of a Thousand Corpses, so I hope you wouldn't let your kids listen to this episode, but <laughs> Yeah, the about that. So okay, listen. Though. Yeah. Listen, Linda. <laughs> so they filmed um on Universal Studios like the back lot near the Jaws ride, and the house that they filmed in was the same house from the 1982 film The Best Little Whore House in Texas nice yes so this to me was so great because this movie already from the very beginning was based on the cheesiness of horror like the fact that he came up with this idea while he was designing haunted houses for people at a theme park it's just so it's so amazing and he Mm -hmm. really ties that into this and the fact that it's filmed on the back lot i love it 
the Jaws ride would actually ruin a lot of takes. So this film was actually taking a lot more time to film just because of certain things like that. The the Universal Studios amusement park was ruining a lot of shots. Oh my god. So surprisingly, the film's exact budget is debatable. Wow. It's anywhere between four million and fourteen million dollars. <laughs> I mean that's <laughs> That's a pretty big uh, gap. Yeah. <laughs> Zombie complained that a lot of the money went to dumb things like people getting special crew jackets and sushi for lunch. Oh, oh my God. So before the film was finished, Zombie stated that he made it clear to Universal what kind of film he was going to be making, saying, and I'm paraphrasing here, I told them that I wanted to make a drive-in movie, something very gritty, nasty, weird. When the film was finished in 2000 and given an NC-17 rating, Universal was so upset and the end product was refused and they didn't decide to release it. They just put it on the shelf. And it was... NC-17? Mm-hmm. This... Okay. Yeah. So it was given an NC-17. And listen, this was 15 months after Columbine happened. Oh, yeah. Okay. So... I think everyone's minds were brainwashed by like what was hurting kids at that time and what Mm -hmm. was making them so screwed up. Well, I think we talked a little bit about it before, too, is that like the um, kids who like perpetrated the shootings and stuff like listened to a lot of like Marilyn Manson and stuff like that. And he got like blamed for it. And they're kind of Rob Zombie and Marilyn Manson are in like that same arena kind of. Oh yeah, definitely. They're, so, they're, they're compared a lot. Like oh, yeah. there was even like a freaking magazine cover with them both on it. And he was Jack Torrance and Marilyn Manson was um, Shelley Duvall's character. <laughs> they're pushed together a lot. And this was another thing that they were both sort of ostracized about. Yeah. So Universal said, no, we're not releasing this. And so Rob Zombie was like, fine. And so he bought the rights of his entire film. So like Universal has no rights to this film, even though there's a lot of like references to Universal movie monsters like Mm, Creature mm -hmm. from the Black Lagoon. Oh my God, so many sweet posters in this movie. I was like, holy crap. That Creature poster, I want it. I know. If anyone wants to give it to me, I'll take it. I was thinking like, (laughs) if this family weren't a bunch of psychopaths, they would probably be a lot of fun to hang out with. (laughs) So true. (laughs) So yeah, there's a lot of Universal references, yet it's technically not a Universal movie movie anymore Mm -hmm. so zombie bought all the rights and he sold it to mgm Hmm. mgm watched it and they were like hell no we are also not (laughs) releasing this and zombie was like fine bought the rights again he sold it then to lionsgate lionsgate was getting into wanting to do um like horror movies they wanted to like change a lot of stuff and so they they were very much interested in this film the only thing was is that they wanted to cut it to an r rating Mm. so it is cut to an r rating i don't know if there's a director's cut that's nc-17 i don't think i've seen any other version of this movie i don't think i have either which makes me think that what we have is the original version and there's a different theatrical version i have no idea maybe yeah i I honestly don't know so it has an r rating well they talked about in one interview and i think it was the same one we watched he talks about like being in the room with the people at it wasn't mgm somebody like agreed to do the film with him and then he made a joke about them like having no morals (laughs) Yeah, and they were like, mm, we're not going to do this. 
So oh, it was probably M Jam then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You blew it. <laughs> yep. So the film made sixteen point eight million in the box office, and it got horrible, brutal reviews. Listen, some of these reviews stated that the film was cheesy, vapid, contrived, and shallow. And someone else said a great waste of celluloid and has nostalgia, but like that's it. That's all it's got. Wow. With that said, Abby, could you please remind (laughs) us all of the plot? Yeah, sure. House of a Thousand Corpses is about these two, they're like young adult couples. I wouldn't say they're teenagers, probably college age. Yeah, they don't look like teenagers. Yeah, they are traveling across the country and documenting like weird roadside attractions. Mm -hmm. So one night they stumble upon a gas station called Captain Spaulding's, famous for their fried chicken and gasoline. He takes them. That's what I want to be known for. Yeah, heck. Yes. Gross. <laughs> Gas station food. Blah. Captain Spaulding takes them on a ride that he calls his, I think it's called the murder tour or something like that. So <laughs> they pile this group of kids into like this little cart and they go through this murder tour and they learn about Dr. Satan, which is like the local urban legend. And supposedly, like, this guy did these horrific medical experiments on, like, the locals. And so he dies, but he didn't stay buried. And he, like, rose from the dead. And now he's, like, alive and well somewhere. So the two young men in the group ask Captain Spaulding for directions on, like, where they can find his gravesite. So they get a flat tire and pick up a girl named (laughs) Baby Firefly. Which you find out that her real name is Vera Ellen in Devil's Rejects. Oh. But you don't know that in this, so she's baby. Yeah. She's, like, she's really weird. She's obnoxious, and, like, the girls don't like her and stuff like that. So they get a flat tire, and baby is like, relax, my brother can come tow us out. So they all go back up to the farmhouse where baby lives with her entire psychotic family. And they end up, like, kidnapping this group of youngsters and, like, torturing them. And Denise, the final girl, gets sacrificed to Dr. Satan and manages to escape. But then, you know, stuff happens and she ends up being captured again and, like, brought back to Dr. Satan. Poor girl. While this is all happening, they're looking for the group of kids. Denise's father, like, enlists the help of the local sheriff, and they go looking for them, but the family, like, slaughters everyone. And then it's the end of the movie. (laughs) And that's the plot of House of a Thousand Corpses. (laughs) The end. (laughs) And everyone dies. There's no hope. The end. You kind of have to watch it to experience it. It's definitely one of those films that you can like step by step explain the plot but it is a visual film yeah my sister actually saw this back when it came out and she like (laughs) she had a copy on dvd and i would always beg her to watch it and she's like no absolutely not and that was basically the rundown that she gave me too (laughs) when i was little yeah you have to see it to believe it (laughs) you do it's it's really it's an interesting film it's so dirty it is and like gritty it is gritty very grindhousey yeah well, yeah, we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. So let's talk about the Bechdel test. It passes. Yay! The fact that there are female villains in this film really helps. <laughs> because it passes once with the two teenage victim girls. 
Mm-hmm. But it's a very small scene. All they are is they're in the car and one of them says, we need to get out of the car. And she's like, why? Because whatever. Speaking of which, mm-hmm. it's funny that like that's kind of how this film passes the Bechdel test. Because yeah. when we did Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that was like one of the only times when the two girls talk to each other was when they get out of the car at the gas station. But here's the thing. They don't, though. Yes. They no, don't. Yeah, yeah. They, you see them in the background talking to each other, mm-hmm. but we don't know what they're saying. Right. So, yeah. But you're right. Yeah. That's like the moment that Texas Chainsaw <laughs> could have passed. It didn't. Yeah. <laughs> So crazy. Uh, But it passes again. It actually passes when Baby is in her bedroom and she's putting her makeup on (laughs) and she has two of the cheerleaders. Yeah, sorry. I couldn't think of the word. Oh, that was like another plot line. Apparently the family like kidnaps this group of girls. Yeah. So Rob Zombie had a lot of different plots going on in this film. And I I mentioned Skunk Ape, which surprised you because you (laughs) were like, what is that? Yeah. That is something else that he had planned. And there is a small part of that in this but it's used as like a dream sequence rather than a actual plot line oh okay yeah i know what you're talking about now yeah uh but yeah so it passes a few times and it's really nice that there's a scene between baby and i say it's really nice it's a really sweet scene between baby and the cheerleader she has tied to her bed where the almost dead cheerleader and the dead cheerleader yeah and the actual dead cheerleader um But hey, it passes. And to me, it's like it doesn't really matter what in what context it, it passes in. The fact that it's women, even if, even if one is a psychotic killer and the other one is a, <laughs> a victim cheerleader, the fact that they're not talking about the men or talking about like anything that has to do with the patriarchy it's 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 great because these women are represented like there's a female villain there's two female villains in this Mm -hmm. how many horror movies can we say that there's a female villain there's not many really yeah there's there are some and and they're very like good films which is great but there's really though if you really think about the really popular ones there's not a lot yeah so i i love that there's female villains in this Mm -hmm. so rob zombie as a director and writer He said that his films aren't supposed to say anything. And I'm paraphrasing again. He said there's no deeper meaning to his films. And I almost want to disagree with him. But at the same time, I I think that most of his films do say something. I think that they're love stories to other horror films. Mm -hmm. All of his films have a sort of, they have a feel of something else. And I don't want to mean that in a bad way because I know like you know people complain about copying and mirroring mirroring other like horror movies but I really think that he loves horror and I really think that he appreciates the classics yeah from the literally the very beginning to um like the 70s Mm -hmm. I look at House of a Thousand Corpses and I see like the huge like Creature from the Black Lagoon poster and the clip from the Wolfman and the whole basically a plot of Texas Chainsaw is being like showed out Hills of Eyes spit in your grave type stuff. Well even the intro with Dr. Wolfenstein and stuff that was like that. that was so cool. Yes it's such a throwback and this is another thing that I love about Rob Zombie and I was telling my husband about this. One of the things I really love about him is that I feel like he and I could have a conversation and not only because he loves horror, but because he just loves old films. The freaking Firefly fam- family is named after Marx Brothers characters. Oh. 
So like okay. Otis Driftwood is a character from is is a Groucho Marx character. Mm-hmm. Um, Captain Spaulding is a Groucho Marx character. The last name Firefly is a Groucho Marx character. The even Hugo is named after a Groucho Marx character. And then freaking Captain Spaulding's little minion guy who wears the mask, Ravelli. He's named after a Chico Marx character in Animal Crackers. Oh my god. I like see that and I'm like, yeah, like already I know I watch all the same movies that Rob Zombie does. Mm -hmm. This is all speculation, but I wonder if part of that, like him feeling that way is because of the scrutiny that he got after Columbine and stuff like that. And like people taking his films out of context and kind of warping them into something that they weren't. So he was just like, you know what? Forget it. Like, I'm not going to try to explain myself anymore. Like, take it for what it is kind of thing. Yeah, because we both noticed that his demeanor in interviews about his films changes. Mm -hmm. He actually seems very pleased and excited about House of a Thousand Corpses. And then he becomes so bitter. (laughs) Yeah. I know that, like, obviously he wanted it to be successful, but maybe he didn't think it was going to, like, be come what it is now which is like a cult classic and everybody knows house of a thousand corpses if you love horror yeah so i was watching uh or i actually was reading this great essay that someone wrote and talking about him and his auteur style and like how you know that it's a rob zombie film mm-hmm. and in the essay they mentioned how he was somebody who kind of went mainstream and didn't mean to. Yes. And that really, yeah. that first of all, music-wise, that reminds me of Nirvana. But that happened to his films, too. Mm-hmm. Like, he was somebody who, like, this is what I like, and it just happened to go mainstream. Right. I mean, now House of a Thousand Corpses became a cult classic. I don't know. I think it's more like, I think a lot of people, even people who don't like horror, have seen this film. Yeah. And, you know, so he is somebody who wanted to make like grindhouse type stuff, like the same movie theater that you also watch porn in, but also watch horror <laughs> movies in kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And he accidentally became mainstream. Yeah, I don't think he really meant that. Good Morning Nancy is proudly sponsored by Recess Coffee. We wouldn't be able to create such great content without being fueled by their magical beans. And the great part is, is that each batch of coffee is locally, artisanally roasted, and it comes from fair trade farmers. Gracie, what's your favorite blend? Oh my gosh. Okay, so my favorite blend is the Westcott blend. It has African and Indonesian beans mixed to create a clean, rich, and full-bodied cup of coffee. Mm. It has a rich floral vanilla aroma with a sugared almond flavor and a lemon finish. Yum! Ooh, delicious. My favorite is the Austin's blend. It's a unique blend of African, Indonesian, and Central American beans roasted to create a characteristically rich, dark, and smoky cup. It has a bold roasted nut aroma with chocolate flavors and a smooth, fruity finish. The coffee is seriously so good. I don't even have to put any cream or sugar in it. I just drink it black like my soul. (laughs) (laughs) So guys, head on over to RecessCoffee.com to order yours today. Or if you're a Syracuse local, stop by either shop at 110 Harvard Place or 110 Montgomery Street. So drink coffee, shoot lightning. Now back to the show. 
so like we talked about some of the influences that he had. Um, Abby, can you touch on some of the like grindhouse type feeling movies that might have inspired this film? Yeah, totally. I see a lot of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre in this one just because of like the way that they pull up to Captain Spaulding's and it's like a group of kids who are on a cross country tour and that kind of thing and like feels uncomfortable like you're like, oh, you should not be there kind of a thing. But it's also similar to a lot of, like, I don't really know, like, the year exactly that um, From Dusk Till Dawn came out or anything. But, like, I kind of get that same sense of, like, the style that they both were going for. Oh, yeah. Going back to, like, Texas Chainsaw, too, you can see it with, like, the design of the house and, like, the weird array of stuff that they have, like, hanging and yeah, <laughs> their choice of decor. And then you have, like, that kind of, I guess not sort of white trashy family who are, like, all blue collar workers. Oh, no, definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's very similar. And, and this pl- takes place in Texas, too. Yeah, yeah. And there was also, like, kind of wanted to talk about the matriarch of the family because she... Let's do it. Okay. Let's talk about Mama Firefly. <laughs> First of all, you know that old... Frick, what's the name of that cartoon? It's... um. Thumbelina. 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 You know the main mom frog who was played by Charo? (laughs) She looks like Mama Firefly. (laughs) I like knew that she reminded me of something. And I'm so glad that you said that because... She's got like the big blonde hair and the obnoxious pink lips. Oh my God. And she's so like schmoozy. Kind of like, yeah. Yes. Oh my god. I don't know. She her character to me feels a little bit out of place, but it still works at the same time. Yeah, she seems like she has a lot of influence, but not a lot of influence. Right. If that she, makes sense. She's kind of like an enigma. Like She is. She lets them do what they do and she like is so excited that her kids are so artistic. <laughs> yes. That's exactly like and she is she's a proud okay. mom. She's a proud mom. She's like a soccer mom. If soccer, if by soccer we mean murder. She's like. a murder mom. Yeah, she's murder mom. It's yeah. awesome. If there was a mom in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, this is what she would be like. Absolutely. I yeah. agree. Yeah. Well, let's talk about baby. What do we think about Baby and what do we think about her place in this family of killers? She is supremely annoying. Like She's very annoying, yeah. Every time I hear her laugh, it's like nails on a chalkboard to me. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. She's like Harley Quinn. She is. Yeah, in a weird way. Yeah. But Baby is the woman who never became the actress or cheerleader mm-hmm. and she's angry about it well she's also the only other girl she is yeah besides mama firefly and you can see that like when they're talking to the like young men and stuff when they first come to the house she's always like rolling her eyes at her mom or she's annoyed with her mom and it's like there's something weird going on there it's so weird it's really uncomfortable this is not sherry moon's best performance but i do commend her because she did create this character herself like she created that laugh like she kind of figured out who she was after she read the script and Mm -hmm. so this is something that we sort of had a little tiff about (laughs) when we were texting 
we had a little tussle <laughs> about this film. We actually were really struggling, you guys, to talk about this movie because there, like we had said in the beginning, Rob Zombie really doesn't think there's much behind his films. Yeah. He sort of just does it for fun and he, and he likes it and he likes horror. So he just does it as like an homage, like you said, to mm-hmm. like other films that he really loves. And uh, so there's not, he's not really saying anything with these films. However, and this is what Abby and I had like a, a little tussle, is that what you said? <laughs> yeah. With our text messages talking about the characters in this film. And I thought that this film was a great example of role reversal where we are actually cheering for the bad guys rather than the victims and uh, that I kind of like the Firefly family. And she was like, are you kidding me? No, they're <laughs> awful. So I, I, I really think that we should talk about that. Let's hear your side of the, of the well, story. Well, first of all, you're wrong. <laughs> I... Typically, I'm very pro, like, the villain because it's what makes a good movie. But with this family, they're so... (sighs) Let me back up and, like, talk about the kids first because they're, like, the victims of this family. And, yes, they're kind of annoying and they're, like, basic whatever. But they probably don't deserve to be tortured and killed. (laughs) Like... Like they no and and yeah expand on that. They're just like doing their thing, driving across the country. They obviously have good relationships with their families. Like Denise calls her dad all the time and updates him. It's not like they're running away from anything. They're out like exploring the world. I think that's part of like the true horror of this film is that like they're in America. They're in their homeland. And they stumble across these people and something terrible happens to them. Can I just add to what you're saying? Yeah. In favor of what you're saying, their whole point of going cross country is to sort of explore the very strange, weird parts of their country, like right. Captain Spaulding. So they actually want to expand on that and sort of learn more about it. So They ask for help, but they don't ask for that much help. You know what I mean? Like they have a, a blown out tire and they're like, frick, like, what are we going to do? And Sherry's like, ah. We'll tow you and stuff. They don't, it's not like they ask, like, hey, do you have blah, blah, blah for us to use? Like, they're trying to be resourceful on their own. So they're not trying to take advantage of anybody. Like, there's no reason for them to be killed the way that they are. Why do you not favor this family, like, let's say, over Jason? Why is this family any different? Because, like, with them, I feel like they're going out and trapping people. Or they are, like, seeking someone to hurt. They're not motivated by anything other than... Other than being a psychopath. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like when you are... It's like looking at a serial killer from, like, a true crime perspective. And you try to, like, figure out why they do the things they do. Rob Zombie based a lot of their stuff off of the Manson family. Yeah. Like, he basically based Baby off of uh, Susan, right? I think that was her name. the One of the Manson girls. Mm -hmm. And Otis, obviously, is basically like Charles Manson, which is another thing about this family that I hate. Yes, sort of. Because a lot of the things that Otis says is based on Rob Zombie's gym teacher from when he was a kid. Like the whole like, we're not getting Mickey Mouse on one sock and Donald Duck on the other sock. He goes, my gym teacher would say crap like that. And we were like, what the heck is he talking about? So he's so and this is another thing. Manson never did anything. No, Manson never 
<clears throat> Manson yeah. did do a lot of things. He's yeah. an evil person, mm-hmm. but he never like went out and killed people. Like he had his followers go do it. Otis is a killer. Otis himself goes out there and oh, kills yeah. people. Yeah. I feel like because this family is just there's no real like motivation and nobody really hurt them per se. Like they were outcasts mm-hmm. and they were like and you can see it by the way the sheriff kind of treats them. Yeah. But even still, he is res- the sheriff is respectful towards like Mama Firefly and stuff when he goes to question her. Yeah. And his deputy like doesn't really step out of line that much. Mm-mm, I don't think so either. So it's also that thing where like Otis literally sacrifices people to Dr. Satan in the name of like his own like following or mindset or like his own personal benefit. And he talks about that a lot. Like before I was having such a dry spell before you all came along and like my creativity just wasn't up there. And like I knew that when I saw your boyfriend, like I had the missing piece and I had what I needed. And it's so selfish it's like pure evil pretty much yeah and i guess going back to jason i mean jason was bullied and that's his motivation i guess yeah and this is my side the way that zombie set up these victims he said what's her name mary was the one who had the the annoying one yes mary is a b-i-t-c-h she is she's the worst and you actually said, you know, they, they have a flat tire. They're helping them. They're helping them. Do you think that that family would have killed them if they had not been so incredibly rude and obnoxious and if Mary had not been, had not pushed baby? Um, I don't think they would have. I think they would have let them go because they had the cheerleaders they could have easily, one of them was still alive. They could have easily sacrificed them to Dr. C in the next day. Well, I think... It's hard to say because, like, that's true. Because they, yeah, because they are so irrationally, like, they don't have a rational mind. I think that it's a little crazy, though, that Rob Zombie made these characters so incredibly likable and (laughs) they win and they win like hardcore, not just like surprise. Like, I guess they sort of, it's sort of a surprise at the end, but like, as soon as you see that car with Captain Spaulding in it, whether you know whether or not Captain Spaulding is working with them mm-hmm. or against them or just doesn't care, you know that he's also not that great of a guy. So you immediately, yeah. like, no, there's no sense of relief. Like, the whole movie, they're all winning. Mm-hmm. And they don't get hurt, really. Oh, like, no. nobody can no, hurt them. Nobody gets hurt. The only time any of them really get hurt is when they when uh, Mary pushes a uh, baby down. Mm-hmm. And um and then baby's like, "I'm going to cut your boobs off." <laughs> <laughs> and I love that part. That, and it's so bad, but like it was I love so it. awkward. I was like, "You're enraged. What's the first thing that pops into your head? I'm going to cut your boobs off and shove them down your throat." Like <laughs> you but that's such the fact that that came from a female saying that yeah is like female against female type of thing it's really interesting this film i actually am a part of a facebook group that's actually uh for any of you who listen to my favorite murder i'm a part of a facebook group called child free murderinos Mm. and i asked them on the facebook group can anyone please explain to me like what is toxic femininity is that a thing or is it just internal misogyny most people came up with like internal misogyny and i feel like that that is baby's um 
yeah that's her like sort of instinct i think because she couldn't be the feminine like movie star slash cheerleader person like she is driven by internal misogyny and just hates those girls because of that and i think that that's so incredibly interesting that the rob zombie intentionally or not probably not created this person uh in modern horror and i think that's phenomenal yeah it's also really interesting that the song that she lip syncs to is i want to be loved by you Mm -hmm. and it's like this to me abby just proves that they're more there's more depth and more likability to this family than Mm -hmm. anyone else and that's why intentionally or not we are on their side throughout this whole thing because they are more interesting yeah they're way more interesting than any of these people that they're killing and torturing like you don't care about them the only time i felt even a little bit of like i care is when denise's dad is killed and he has like yeah. a really random flashback to last christmas oh my god i know i was like oh that poor guy and then yeah. he died and then i didn't care and then i thought yeah sacrifice them <laughs> I was so done with them. Even on the DVD, when you're like looking for like the behind the scenes, when you're all of them, mm-hmm. like doing these really early 2000 kind of DVD menu stuff where <laughs> they're like talking to you while they have like little skits where they're like together and like talking and like laughing <laughs> together. And I love it. And I'm like, yeah, I think that they're awesome. And it's so funny because... Bill Mosley, who who plays Otis B. Driftwood, he was doing an interview and the interviewer said, like, do you think it's weird that women really like you as as freaking Otis? And he was like, yes, it's super weird because he's a crazy killer and it's so strange. But like, it's because he's so likable, even though he's an asshole and he's horrible. And it's because the dialogue that they're given is so interesting that we don't care about what anyone else says, but we just want to hear the next really random, crazy, hilarious thing that comes out of their mouth, Yeah, which is very, very grindhouse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of, it's, you see it in Quentin Tarantino's films all the time, too, like with Death Proof and like Planet Terror and stuff like that. Like, there's always like humor underlying everything but i think part of the reason why people don't like this film is because maybe they don't get that yeah it's really interesting yeah um also (laughs) when i house sat for you once i watched this movie and i fell asleep (laughs) so the menu started playing and i woke up to captain spaulding yelling at me (laughs) Like, because he, like, swears on the menu and tells you, like, are you going to watch this movie? I woke up and I was like, what the even heck is going on? Who's yelling at me? It was it was scary. Oh, my God. So let's end on this. One of the problems that I do have with this, and one of the problems why I feel really bad that I think the Firefly flam- family is really um, funny. and You should feel bad. Sorry. Um, do you think Ed Gein is funny? No, don't. Now I feel bad. God, I came out here to have a good time, and I'm honestly feeling so attacked. (laughs) Poor Gracie. So a lot of people like really they cheered when the cop was killed by Otis, and that worries me Mm -hmm. a lot. To me, this sort of was like a showing of like you don't run me, you don't rule me, and but. 
I think I'm looking too deep into it, especially mm-hmm. Rob Zombie probably like, no, <laughs> he just is a murderer and he killed him. Yeah. But I think that's what a lot of people saw when that part happened. Yeah. And there's some there's some troubling aspects to that. But then I also see where people come from, especially if they're people who come from lives where they're just being crapped upon. Yeah. Uh, I don't think this is the correct way to express that sort of relief at all. Don't kill people. Or or don't cheer when people get killed like that. Right, right. And I I think that's why it's so important to not look at these people really as heroes, even though it's hard not to, And for me, because I look at it and I think these people are hilarious and I want them to win. But they're also horrible, 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 horrible people. And it's not something that we should be looked at and and, and cheering at. Mm -hmm. yeah I guess I see your point now but I also (laughs) definitely see your point and how it's a really I I think Rob Zombie it's so funny he he didn't he said you know I don't think that these movies say anything yet here we are yeah I know guys thank you so much for listening to Good Morning Nancy we love you all so much please follow us on Instagram follow us on Twitter follow us on Facebook we would love to hear from you guys too let us know what you think about the podcast write a review on our Apple Podcasts app like that really helps us you guys have no idea like actual written reviews are so helpful to podcasts especially during this unsteady time with net neutrality and everything like people need to know that people listen to the show and really enjoy the show and that really looks good for us so yeah definitely thank you guys so much and we'll see you next time bye